Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer, and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer on this Thursday night. Thank goodness it didn't turn out to be a blustery day out there in the Willamette Valley today, so we kind of skated by that one. Bill London yesterday was telling us we might have a, a little blow me hard down, and then we didn't have it, so that's kind of good. Got some rain. That's a good thing. Um, hey, if you guys are out there watching right now, if you would take this on your page on Facebook and just share it right off your page, it'll share it directly on your page, and then everybody on your page will see it too. See how that works? So then you become part of my team and you are one of us. You're a, you're a producer at that point. So let me run the open and then we'll get right back here and talk a little bit more. But why do we do this? Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. From the 1120 AM and 93.7 FM, KPNW Studios, I'm Bill London. And look at you. <laughs> Sarah, look at that introduction. Isn't Rick you such a charmer? Bring the lion out. We had a sketch artist do a drawing. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Music therapy has been shown to release... It's time now for Rick. Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun? that you get to comment on the news. There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun. Now it's time to get real. Said, now it's time to get real. I mean, really real. It's a big dose of really real real with Rick. We'll see you at five. And it's five o'clock, so real Rick and all of his real friends are really going to entertain you tonight. Our shows are sponsored by Buck Sanitary Service. Um, <clears throat> I don't expect you to use them every time if you go to an outhouse and it says Honey Bucket on it. I always wonder about that Honey Bucket thing, like I'm going to go to the bathroom in a Honey Bucket. But Buck Sanitary Service, they provide restrooms, they provide showers for weddings, also a lot for the homeless community. They do a lot for the unhoused in our community and for firefighters and all kinds of things like that. So they do a lot of work for us. They're one of our most loyal sponsors. And the good thing about them is they don't always agree with what we say, what we do, but they always agree that we in Oregon need to have our voice and we should be talking about things, not doing this. So they're one of our sponsors. We have another sponsor that sponsors our news segment every night. That's Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Best guy ever. Michael Bratlin is so awesome. He's all about taking care of your dental health. He's my dentist. He's my wife's dentist. He's getting tons of business because he's just standing up for what he believes in. Civil liberties, freedom, your right to choose, uh, your right to be serviced and taken care of without him worrying about your vaccination status. And that has brought in so much business he can hardly handle it all because there's a lot of you still out there who do care about your civil liberties and your freedom. And it's not a nasty F word. Um, it's a real word that you, you, you use. And we have a third new client. And Angela, you're going to be really excited about this. We did not plan this. Angela is going to be here from the Ark of Lane County. And if you don't know what that is, this is better than Noah's Ark. This is like taking care of all the great people in our town. But Alvord Taylor is one of our new sponsors. And Alvord Taylor is an organization that focuses on the quality of life for people with different abilities. They employ 200 people. They provide 24-hour care, 15 different homes where different people get to live in group home situations. Um, they get to come up with their own plans, what they want to do in their life. Because what Alvord Taylor understands is these are human beings and they have desires and dreams and wishes and things that they want to do, and they provide that for them. What they're really looking for is quality people 
to come in and work with them. And they're going to be on in a few weeks and talk to you, to you more about that. But right now, you know, with the shortage of employees, they really need staff and people to come in. And we're going to kind of show you some of the people you'll be working with and try to inspire you uh, to try something new in your life and, and bring them on board. So we thank Albert Taylor for being part of our show as well. And it just worked out perfect. Kim and I have, Kim Stark's going to be here tonight too. We just have telepathy. She knows I've got a new sponsor that deals with people with different abilities. Angela's from the ARC. It all comes together. We have a producer. I think he's up there maybe just doing some stuff. And then we're going to talk with um, a gubernatorial candidate. That's a really fancy word for a guy who's running for governor. But doesn't that sound kind of cool? Gubernatorial candidate. And you have to do this with your lips when you do that. It's really not that easy to do. And he'll be here to talk about... Um, what he thinks that, uh, he wants to do in Oregon. And maybe we'll get him to talk about some of the new controversies going on with the governor. Uh, always get a good conversation going on that. And then we have Mike is going to join us in a few seconds here after Bill. And Mike is Mike McCarter is with the Greater Idaho Movement. And back when he first came on our show a long time ago, people scoffed. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it's still a long way from happening, but I'll tell you what, it started a big conversation. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I'm warning you. Every time we put this on, um, we get a ton of people coming on and talking about it. And But the biggest conversation piece we have from people is, can you include Albany? What about Eugene? What about Springfield? Well, you're not going to be in it, but I'm just warning you, it's not going to happen. But there's a lot of people talking about this. So let's start off our show tonight and find out what Bill London. Hey, Billy or Sven, whatever we call you, what do you have for us tonight? Good evening from the News Radio 1120 and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London, but you can call me Sven. And that's short for Svengard. Here's a look at some of the stories we're following. All right, so following up on a story we have been talking about for, well, the last four days. So district attorneys across the state, victims across the state have expressed frustration, to say the least, with Governor Kate Brown's commutations of sentences for dozens of prisoners sentenced for crimes they committed as juveniles, and in particular that the governor did not tell the victims before releasing the names of those whose sentences she was asking for commutation on. Well, Governor Brown finally responded to that criticism, but not directly. It was through a press release, and it said, in part, our standard procedure and preference is always to ensure the victims and their families receive such notifications in the most trauma-informed way as possible before the general public. Regrettably, in this case, the commutation list was obtained by some members of the media at the same time we had started our process to contact district attorneys about victim notification. It further goes on to say district attorneys and their staff with trauma-informed training have been conducting outreach to inform victims and their families. Now, that didn't come directly from Governor Brown, but from Charles Boyles, who is the governor's PR spokesperson. Now, the statement that, quote, the list was obtained by some members of the media at the same time we began our process to contact attorneys is not accurate. It makes it seem like that somehow through back channels, the media in some surreptitious way was able to get a hold of it and release it before the governor wanted it to be that way. 
That is not accurate at all. It was the governor's office who gave the list of offenders to the media in advance of DAs. That has been confirmed by Lane County District Attorney Patty Perlow. She said as much in a statement. And further, Noelle Crombie with the Oregonian, who first wrote about the list, has said publicly she got the list directly from the governor's office. In other words, it was the governor, not the media, to blame for the victims and survivors finding out via the media, as opposed to crime victim liaisons, informing them that their worst nightmare has come true. Another thing that the governor has said that's interesting is that Governor Brown believes that we must put more emphasis on preventing crime and rehabilitating youth rather than on harsh punishments and lengthy and costly prison sentences. In certain cases, the governor's constitutional clemency powers can remedy unjust sentences. The governor's passion for the unjust treatment of the worst violent juvenile offenders is interesting when it seems like she has a definite lack of compassion for the children some of those offenders raped, people that were nearly murdered by those offenders, and the families of those who lost their loved ones to brutal murders. Oh, what a difference a crime spree makes. Yeah, so a year after Portland's police department underwent massive budget cuts amid demands by a handful of radicals to defund police, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler announced he's seeking immediately more than $5 million to hire more police officers. Now, this comes a day after strong showings by mayoral candidates in liberal cities like Seattle and New York who rejected to fund the police calls and pledged more resources for public safety. Wheeler, for his part, wants 300 cops to be hired, 200 sworn officers, 100 public safety specialists. He's going so far as to offer $25,000 signing bonuses to the first 50 officers to apply and who actually get the jobs. That's pretty interesting what a record murder rate for the city of Portland and a thousand shootings in the last 11 months can do to change your mind about certain things. And it was finally made official today. Tens of millions of Americans who work at companies with more than 100 employees will need to be fully vaccinated for COVID-19 by January 4th or get tested for the virus weekly under new government rules issued today. The new requirements are the Biden administration's latest move to force Americans to be vaccinated or simply be fired. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration regulations will force companies to require that unvaccinated workers test positive for COVID-19 at least once a week for however long and wear a mask while in the workplace. And OSHA also said it's leaving open the possibility of expanding the requirement to even the smallest of businesses. It asked for public comment on whether employers with fewer than 100 employees could handle vaccination or testing programs. And for anyone working in a nursing home, hospital, or other facility that receives any Medicare or Medicaid money, those workers will not have an option for testing. They will either need to be vaccinated or summarily be 
fired. Now, Republicans in a number of states and Republican governors have already said, we'll see in court over this. And Senate Republicans immediately launched a petition to force a vote to overturn the vaccine mandate. But with Democrats controlling that chamber, that effort is going to be a hard fight. Okay, we need some reality. We need to be a little real. Rick, do your job and get real. All right. Thanks, Bill. I think if anybody gets real, it's Bill. So let's see. A few a year ago, Ted wants to defund the police in Portland, and now he wants to spend $25,000 to lure them back. Does anybody out there see the hypocrisy? But wait, did, I think I hear him saying, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was just bad gas on my part. I mean, you guys, you have to hold these people accountable to this stuff. It's insanity. So here's an idea that's not all that everybody thought was insanity, but turns out there's a lot of people that think it's okay, Mike. How you doing, Mike McCarter? Is, is hey, the- thanks. Thanks, Rick. I, I'm just sitting here laughing about that news report. I, I mean, you can't cry anymore. And yeah. is there any reason why we wouldn't want out from underneath Oregon's leadership at all? Well, there, you want that's my people- proof right there. Right. People start. And, and you you guys, because I was trying to get you on the other day and it just didn't work out because this is Bill talked about this already. But you guys had some polling done in Idaho and people are really receptive to this. Bring it. Right. Allowing it, 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 to come in. Yeah. Fifty one percent of Idahoans are in favor of a resolution for us to become part of Idaho. Thirty five percent are against it. But there's a great big portion right there that wants more information, that they don't have enough information for. And that's why we ran that poll, is we wanted to see where we were lacking in getting the word out. But if you take the Republicans who voted in the last Republican primary, it jumps to 59% in favor and drops to 25% against. So, you know, it's coming across. It you know, people are, are starting to stand up and say, yeah. And and didn't people say something about they um they wanted to protect Oregonians? I can't remember it. If correct me in my wording, but but there was something about the reason they would do this is to help get rural Oregonians out of Oregon. Something like am I am I paraphrasing that okay? You're 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 close, but the, the actual quote is away from Portland. And one of the, one of the Idaho legislators said. Let, the first thing I'm going to ask for is a wall between Portland and Idaho. That's what well, she said. You know, they have billboards in Montana that say, um, if you if you want to be, what is it? If you want to become Portland, vote Democrat. And I'm not against Democrats. I'm just, <laughs> but that's how Portland, that's how Portland is perceived around the, mm-hmm. the Western United States is that this is going so so in order for this to happen, though, Congress, there's a lot of steps in the way. You guys are just doing this preliminary work to see where it's going. Harney County voted. And these are somebody says, so does that mean they're in, or in Idaho? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like an advisory vote. But you have how many on board now? And Harney County was your latest. Our latest one was Harney County by a positive vote of 63 percent. That makes eight counties now that have stepped out in favor of this. 
We've got Klamath County and Douglas County. Their petitions are going in within the next two weeks to get on the ballot in May. So, so it's it's we're rolling. All right, Mike McCarter, thank you for coming on, giving us a little, you know, little stir because I think people are really <laughs> interested in this right now. And um, I think anything we can do to get people talking about making Oregon a better place is a really, really, really good thing to do. I Thanks agree. And work. when you see when you see Mark on, tell him hi from me because I I, I gave him some jabs and told him I'd vote for him if he, when he ran for governor. Now, you, you don't mean jabs. You mean verbal no, jabs. No, 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 no. Okay, I, 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 sure. I, I, yeah, verbal, verbal. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no violence. It means a whole new word now. All right, thanks, yep. Mike. So, hey, Mark, uh, Mike says hi, and he's glad he could give you a few jabs. <laughs> How you doing, Mark? Doing good. Yeah, so Mike, uh, he liked my uh, gubernatorial speech, but he was like, uh, this Idaho thing is just in case you don't win. That's what he told me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mark and Mark is Thielman, right? Yes. Okay, Mark Thielman, uh, you're running for governor. You are Alci. Tell people what you do now. So I'm a Alci school district superintendent, and I'm probably uh, most most recently known as the guy who had the kept his school open K twelve all last year during COVID, uh, full time all year, and so, uh, it made me famous. Is that what, yeah, I'm, I'm infamous too. Um, is that what made you want to, why do you want to run for governor? What, what is the issue for you, the big issue? Well, just, I've, I've been, I've done uh, education policy work, legislative work for the last 10 years, since 2010. And, um, you know, I've always worked behind the scenes and I, I had uh, worked up a solution to the purse problem, which as you know, is, is a huge burden on uh, uh, um, public budgets. And uh, Governor Brown, did a study and she spent $50,000 and it came back saying that this, this, you know, will significantly reduce the liability for the state. And, and over time it became a money kind of a, a, a solvent money maker. Um, and I was expecting the concept to be received and immediately passed. And instead I was uh, chastised and screamed at and um, told that I was not supposed to solve the problem. And that is what's wrong with our government. So Penny wants to know, how would you handle laws about child predators? Well, you have to have, you know, when you're talking about uh, law and order, law and order only, it's, it's only valuable in the presence of accountability. And um, so when you're dealing with child predators, we have to have strong and consistent accountability. And, and that doesn't mean without humanity, but without accountability, you're just, you're just letting 75 brutal youth murderers out of jail 20 years later, like Governor Brown's trying to do now. And, um, you know, and when you look at the crime spree going on, I'm not sure how that helps. Um, and, and so, you know, as a governor, you have to be able to string concepts together. If we have a crime spree, maybe this isn't the best time to let 75 brutal murderers out of jail. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it kind of makes sense. What I mean, and that job, what would you do with Portland? I mean, in terms of the situation there, so they've had a thousand shootings this year already. They've had more murders now than ever in the city's history. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got a mayor who and his council who, you know, f seem to fly by the seat of their pants or make decisions based on the whim of the public or whatever's popular at that moment. And now we pay for it. 
25,000 an officer because how many how many retired early because they wanted and they did some surveys and tons of those officers said the reason they got out is because they didn't feel support from the state from the, the city staff and from the community well that's because they didn't have support you know that's the bottom line a couple of things you can do as governor first of all um for me you know, one of the things that I'm excited to do um, when elected is restore law and order to its proper place in our state and our communities. And you do that by using the bully pulpit and having the state AG override the local AG, our district attorney, if you will, and, and, and absolutely enforce the law. There's a lot more that Governor Brown could be doing, and she's choosing not to do it because, you know, Mr. Wheeler is her ally. And you got to remember, if you're dealing with social credits in China, when you're dealing with woke progressive liberals like Governor Brown, um, you know, she assigns herself woke credits. I'm going to let these brutal murderers out of jail and not inform the victims. And I'm going to leak the, the names to the uh, press and then claim that I didn't because I get more woke credits as a progressive who's pushing the envelope. And, and this is the thing is I've when you're up in the building like I've been, they forget you're Republican and they talk like this. And it shows you just how disconnected people like Governor Brown are from everyday hardworking Oregonians. And we have to restore the balance. So government exists to serve the people and the Constitution exists to limit the government. And we have got it completely backwards. Um, and this this issue with, the you know, the covid pandemic and the government overreach is an example of that. What um, somebody wants to know about what would you do about mandates and about uh, Biden's OSHA jobs uh, jab mandates today? What would you do as governor? Yeah, well, just so everybody knows, I, I sent a letter out in August to my parents informing them of their rights, including their rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act, Amendments Act of 2008, 504. And um, Governor Brown responded by outing me in a letter, putting me on national news. And then having her deputy superintendent of public instruction, Colt Gill, turn me into OSHA. And the work hazard they cited was that letter. So, Rick, it's the most powerful letter ever written. Just the writing of the letter created some kind of OSHA-related work hazard. And um, so um, they've been, you know, um, interrogating us for, for weeks now. And, and what I'm getting at is, is OSHA was never designed to be an enforcement arm of right. OHA. And so these people, everything's an afterthought. And so what you do is you, you start by not having mandates. You start by telling people the truth. You start by equipping people to um, um, address the pandemic using their own um, uh, uh, risk uh, uh, in indices, if you will. In other words, you give people good information, you give them tools, and then you say, um, you know, everybody, we want to manage this pandemic in a way that doesn't encroach upon your freedoms. And um, we haven't done that in Oregon. We've done the opposite of that. So do you, Mark, are you saying that you would actually trust Oregonians to make the right decisions for them and their community? Well, I mean, I, I, it's more than just trust. I lived it. First thing we did with COVID when we were able to stay open was starting, we started educating our parents and working with them. We took feedback from parents. Um, we made adjustments and changes. We listened to concerns parents had, and we, we put in, you know, sanitation protocols. We hired extra daytime cleaner staff. And all of it was designed for to have that relationship, that confidence relationship between the school and the parents, because we were in this together. And our parents were our best allies. 
you know, they kept the, they kept their kids home. They screened their kids for symptoms and, um, you know, they communicated. And, and that's why we didn't have a single case of COVID traced back to the school all last year. I, I, you know, I think that that never would have happened had we not had our parents doing just what we want them to do, being good parents. You and, give them trusting, good information. and trusting Oregonians to do what yeah. they should do. Yeah, What's your Burnett wants to know your funding platform. If we need to get more into that, I don't know exactly what she means, but. Well, there's two things. Obviously, we're running a campaign, so I want to encourage people to donate. You can go to markfororegon.com. and You've got it up there. Yeah, it takes money to, to win these things. But in terms of, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a school finance kind of wonk, if you will. And in LC, you know, we, we run in the black. We don't run in the red. And, um, and then we make strategic applications or investments designed to continue to grow the health of the school. For example, I just hired, I've, hired, I've hired 40 people in the last three months during this shutdown pandemic. And um, the, that should tell, tell the listeners a little bit about how life is different in LC because we have an online program called Learn at Home. We have a K through 12 online program. We have uh, several other programs as well. And then we also have some, some small kind of pod schoolhouse, you know, one room schoolhouses that we are sponsoring in other communities. And what that does is it creates choice and options for parents and it brings revenue in because everyone's an LC student. And uh, the beauty of it is, is it's, it's like an engine that runs. And the thing is, we can do the same with the state. This, um, our state does a lot of, we need to raise taxes. And then they underestimate their revenue by 1.7 billion every two years. Have you noticed that with the, uh, the uh, refunds back to Oregonians, the kicker? Yeah. And the thing is, the first thing they you do is, back. yeah, the first thing you do is quit underestimating your revenue. That's the first thing you do. And then you don't need to raise taxes or give $1.7 billion back. And the, the reason the Democrats like to do that, they like to underestimate the revenue, is it creates leverage to raise taxes. And that's called lying. You should never lie to the to the people. You should tell them the truth. Oh, God. I'm sorry. This, this, <clears throat> That I felt like my window opened and this huge breath of fresh air just went blowing through. Like as I was going, what personal responsibility, mm-hmm. in, ingenuity, um, all, pioneer spirit, all those things mm-hmm. that Oregonians are and were, that's been taken away and robbed from us. Um, Mark, I wish you luck and uh, let me know. We'll have you on. We're having you know a bunch of different candidates on there. So so yep. I haven't had a lot of calls from the D's. But anyway, um, we'll get. <laughs> on there again but thank you for coming on and talking with well us, okay? thanks for having me rick take care all right appreciate it all right see you later man bye well there you go wow, those are kind of foreign words weren't they i felt like i was in a in a class listening to words and going wait no no the, you can't say that mark you can't say that letting people decide for themselves oh my god i need someone to tell me what to do well speaking of ingenuity and amazing things Kim Stark, I'm going to bring her on here real fast. I got to take Mark's thing down here. Kim Stark found, and and you guys, honestly, Kim and I don't talk about this a lot beforehand. Um, I trust, I've worked with Kim for years, and so I trust her. And tonight she came up with something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, because I have a brother-in-law who's in this, in the different abilities community. And I love the arc of Wayne County. And she found a project, and we're going to bring Angela Finney on here. Hi, Angela. Hello. 
I'm going to move you up in my box because when I put pictures up, it covers you up. And that's so dang rude to cover up your 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 friends, you know. So, Kim and Angela, I'm going to just go off here. You guys tell people what you're doing. I love I'm going to come back in because I'm really excited about this project. But talk about it. Yeah, thanks. Hi, Angela. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the ARC of Lane County, they are a national organization and they advocate for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and they serve them, they serve their families. And one of the big things that they're doing right now is called the ARC Park. And uh, there is a link that Rick put up there. You can look at this park and its rendition, the video form of what they want to do. They've interviewed parents who are really passionate about this project. And that's where Angela comes in because you've been with this from the start. So you're the expert on this park. And I want you to start with telling us what is so important about this park. What would it mean for Lane County? Sure. So this park is like nothing else that we have. It is completely accessible to people regardless of ability. Um, so one of the things that we have is we have accessible swings um, where a wheelchair can actually swing, roll up to the swing and swing with their friends. They can go on the merry-go-rounds, just the same thing that everybody else does. Um, but one of the first things we're doing is we're building an amphitheater. And that will be um, a wonderful place for people to come and see music or live entertainment. Um, and the wonderful thing about the park really is the turf. The turf is all a synthetic turf that looks and feels like grass, um, but, it allow, but it also has a lot of drainage and a lot of padding. So people can actually wheel. And when we looked at the amphitheater a second ago, one of the great things about the turf is sometimes when people have wheelchairs, they have to either sit at the front or the back, but they don't have a lot of options about where they want to sit. Well, at the art park, they can actually sit anywhere there um, and engage with their friends while they're watching a show. And that's so important about the turf. I know that's one of the things you guys are trying to get the funding for right now. Right. You brought up issues of people that have had in wheelchairs and other things where the turf will break down. So I know there's something really special about this kind that you're wanting to get. Well, the nice thing is about this turf is it doesn't actually break down. A lot of times people use rubber pour um, in playgrounds or they might have um, cement sidewalks with grass next to it. And one of the things that does happen over time is both the rubber pour as well as the grass actually settle, um, which leaves some, some safety issues if you are in a mobility device. You know, just as an example, um, you know, Kim, you had mentioned that we brought the community together to plan this park. And it really was a joint effort of the community, including families, including kids, uh, people that experience disabilities. And one of the things that we did is we actually researched 69 local parks here in Eugene Springfield. Um, and we found a lot of lacking as far as turf. And, you know, one of the things is um, bark chips are pretty common in playgrounds. Um, and they're actually considered ADA compliant. But if you've ever tried to wheel a wheelchair through that or walking in a mobility device, um, it's pretty much impossible to navigate. Um, this turf will allow people to access the entire park. Um, one of the things you'll often see in parks is they have to have ramps up to the playground structure, right? right. Uh, but how do you get there if there's wood chips? And even right. once you get there, what do you do once you get to the ramp? Um, you go up and everybody else is going down the slide. So all of our equipment is specifically built to have interactive elements for people, regardless of their ability to climb or run, um, but there's also stuff available for runners, I have to say, because one of the things, when the park was first started, it was a group of moms that came to me and said, there are no safe parks in Eugene and Springfield for me to take my child. 
you know, they're all next to a river, next to a busy road. There's no fencing. Um, there's issues with the bark dust, all of those types of things. So we listened to those families and we put together a park that met the needs of the families as well as the kids. One of the things I loved is we actually had a bunch of kids come both with and without disabilities and we gave them magazines and computer printouts and markers and paints and yeah. stuff. Design this park. And they did. <laughs> um, the park that we have today was actually designed um, by the kids. Um, we brought in Willamma Lane and other, other people, obviously, to help finalize that. And we have a professional landscape architect um, that's actually built two other parks very similar to this on the East Coast. Um, okay. I've actually traveled to the East Coast to see them. And they're wonderful parks, very well used. But unfortunately, here on the West Coast, we don't have a lot of them. Right, right. And I know that Rick was asking where it is. And this is actually going to be in Springfield, right there at the Arc of Lane County offices. And you guys did that for a reason, kind of safety too, right? You want to have people there. Right. Well, because we want to, it's all fully enclosed. Um, so it has a fence all the way around it. Um, but the other thing is, is that we wanted to be able to staff it and make sure that people are safe while they're there. And having it right next to our building certainly helps with that as well. That's great. I just love so much that the kids actually helped design this park. And this is open, you guys, to everyone. This is an all-inclusive park. Um, so they want to have this. We really need this in Eugene. We, we need this in, in Oregon, in Lane oh. County. <laughs> I so. think it's the greatest idea ever. I mean, you know, and it and it what, what I love, Angela, so much is that then uh, we all have different abilities. But then we can all play together. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. so it doesn't seem it'll take away some of that stigma mm -hmm. of kids. When you go to a regular park, um, there's a lot of things somebody in a wheelchair can't do, or someone who has a different ability intellectually or anything like that. This way, it kind of equals the playing field um, for everybody, and that is. I know. Yay. We're so That's exactly it, Rick. So thanks for bringing that up. Because one of the things I talked about the amphitheater, but we'll also be doing things like yoga and dance and different activities on the lawn, which will be for both kids with and without disabilities. Um, because the idea there is we're teaching acceptance. People are afraid of what they don't know. And Rick, you used to do this amazing campaign called Look Me in the Eye. Um, and one of the things I loved about it was you said, you know, people with disabilities, people are taught to look away. But instead, when you're walking down the road, if I saw you, Rick, I would say hi to you, even if I didn't know you. I would just say hi. I might, you know, smile. But when people have disabilities, people are afraid and they're not sure what to do. So starting when they're kids and teaching that acceptance um, and learning that we're all together, I think is huge. And it's not about getting a reaction back because sometimes people with different abilities don't give you a, the same reaction. It may just be a look, but you don't know what that did in their heart. And, and then also be, you know, I think being cognizant of people on the spectrum, there are people who don't like you to look in their eyes, but if you look and they look away, that's don't be offended. That's just them with their thing and you do your thing. And I think that if we keep pushing those envelopes, um, you know, pretty soon I have, so, I mean, so many people in the, uh, somebody has a radio commercial out and they say something different than different abilities. There's a new term and I really, it's on a radio commercial and I've got to start remembering what it is. Cause it's finally, I found something that works when they came out with intellectual disability. I was appalled. I was like, no, that sounds worse than anything. And so I started doing different abilities, but it's really looking at people for um, who they are inside, not what they, what you see on the outside. Cause wouldn't right. we all, wouldn't we all like that? I mean, no matter what we look like, it's, I, 
you know? Exactly. Good job. Angela, okay, so Angela needs money. They yep, need yeah, money. they need money, you guys. So help out with this park. We're going to start with the amphitheater. They're getting the turf, and this is phase one. So you guys have already broke, broken ground. It's going. It's going. So it's they going, need yes. <laughs> and so It'll be open in the spring for phase one. So we're hoping to get all the construction done by the end of January if we can raise the money. How do they get a hold of you? What's your website? It's arclane, A-R-C-L-A-N-E dot org. And there is a um, whole section about the park. You can watch videos. You can see the schematics. Um, so it has some great information there. And, of course, you can donate on the website. Okay. And you guys, if you go pitch, put in the YouTube number, it's not going to just lick you from this comment section. Facebook won't let you do that or, or StreamYard. You can just go that, put that in, rewrite that in your computer, and you can go watch a really nice video they had done. Uh, that'll give you a, kind of, it'll make you smile and it might make you cry just a little bit. That's really Angela, good. thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. It was great to see you. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. I know it's so exciting, Rick. I actually went out and toured where they're breaking ground and it is just, it, it, I mean, you know, they haven't really gotten a lot done yet, but just when they explain it and their passion that goes into it, and then the videos kind of show in there, they talk to, to parents who really could use this part for their kiddos. It's you'll, you'll love it. Yeah. You kind of outdid yourself tonight. I know. Now what am I going to, I can't top this one. Oh boy. Now I'm going to have to give you a raise or something, right? Can yeah, we I know. I find these stories. We were on the same wavelength tonight too. So. Hey, thank you for being here, sweetie. Thanks, Rick. All right. You guys got one more thing for you. Um, just because it's kind of our Friday here. Um, my son used to work at a fishing lodge in Alaska. And I went up there one time and the owner flies a small plane. And it was like one of the most profound moments of my life. And so I'm going to put on the Elements. Elements Health Club really likes these kind of stories. So I'm going to have them sponsor this one and uh, just sit back for six minutes. We're going to go a little bit long tonight, but just sit back and watch and enjoy yourself and dream a little. OK, um, it's the 1974 Piper uh, Super Cub. They're, they're vital. If you don't have roads anywhere, you can only get there by air. Oh my goodness, there's nowhere you can't take it. The only way to truly discover wild Alaska is in an airplane. Well, each flight's always better than the next. I mean, uh, it, well, you'll see here real shortly, but uh, it's just spectacular. It's untouched, it's rugged, unbelievably rugged and, uh, and beautiful all the same. Ryan Richards calls flying his therapy. How often do you get to take this out? Um, I, if I don't fly about every three days, I start getting pretty miserable to be around. So what, what does it do for you? Oh, I mean, it's like my release. I mean, what's working out? I mean, what's your, what, what's like your, what's your deepest passion? Uh, take that away. I mean, that's what you got with aviation with me. As you glide over mountaintops and through canyons over rivers, you can't help but wonder how many other humans have actually laid eyes on this land. I can fly five minutes from this location here and find places likely nobody has ever seen and certainly never set foot on. Alaska is like that. You really do get lost in the vastness of what's out there. 
Every corner a reminder of your smallness to landscape so big, so overpowering it's almost mind-numbing. In a small plane you get more than a view, you get a feel for the land and its inhabitants. Flying just feet over the rivers and over the mountains leaves no trace of your entrance into a place that almost feels holy. As we climb over a mountain, Ryan, who plays in these hidden ravines and valleys all the time, spots something he's never seen before, something out of the ordinary. 3,000 feet above the ground, hidden on a mountaintop, we find an unnamed lake. Ryan is one of those people who is not afraid to risk. He thrives on adventure, and while I do too, to some degree, landing in an unknown lake, not knowing whether it's big enough to get out, creates perspiration along my back. But my mind and my heart are soaring with excitement. We hike around the lake, look over cliffs into new valleys, and talk out loud about the best day we ever had that day. Knowing it will not last forever. As long as I live, I will remember that day. That day and the lake and the feeling of being in a place where only God sets foot. So this is what makes Alaska so cool. Is you can go this is you can go places like this, land your plane if you're with Ryan. Come in, name your own lake, which we are deeming this Richards Lake because Ryan Richards and Richard Dancer. And uh, and go away and have a story to tell. Plus, what makes it really fun is that if something happened and we couldn't get out of here, we'd be in trouble <laughs> but that's what makes adventure and that's why you do things that are a little risky and that's why you do things that are a little out of the box because I think we're all tired of sitting behind a computer and a typewriter and sick of Facebook sick of all that crap and this is not Facebook this is not social media <laughs> this is the real world I hear a lot of people talk about going back to the real world I kind of would question whether Going back is really the real world. I think I found it in Alaska.
I did a podcast today with a couple of doctors out of Lebanon and we were just talking about my prostate cancer and we were talking about life and stuff like that. And it's kind of weird for me watching that again. Um, cause that's the same thing I found in Montana and people ask me, um, why are you going to Montana? And we were talking about this tonight on this program. Uh, this podcast is I'm not done. I want to live. I want to have adventure. I want to look at new things. I want to do scary. Um, I think when you were too comfortable, sometimes we just sit and we let life just take us on. I want to take on life. And when I'm in the wilderness and when I'm on a mountaintop, when I'm hiking out there, um, that's like real life. And if you're going to have your theme be get real with Rick Dancer, I can't stay here. This isn't my reality. I've got to go find it. And that story kind of sums it up for me. What's your reality? What's your, what's your go-to? Go find it. There's a lot of people in the world who are walking around and not really alive. I want to come alive. And that's where I can do it. Have a good night. Thanks to all of our guests. That was a hell of a show. I'm really enjoying the hell out of this. <laughs> We're jam-packing you guys with stuff. Share this on your page. Let other people see it. Love on our sponsors because we can't do this without sponsors. And wow, um, I think we all got to go dreaming again and using our voice and taking back what's ours. Because as you heard tonight, there's a lot of people... Here's the thing, the media and the, and the politicians want us to think that their narrative is the narrative. It's not, it's not, no, it's their narrative. It's not ours. No, we are going to create the narrative. We, the people of Oregon, of Montana, of Idaho, of Wyoming, and, and beyond. Um, we're going to recreate our narrative. They don't get to tell us what to do. I'll see you on Monday. Have a good night. Have a great weekend.